0: Hello there, and welcome to episode number 55 of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. All right, so in this week's episode, we'll be talking about injury updates on Ryan Barucki, Julian Merriweather, George Springer. We also got John Oxford is back with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays made a trade for a reliever over the weekend, and we're approaching arguably one of the most crucial parts of the Blue Jays' schedule. So let's dive into all of that. All right, so like always, let's get right to the injury updates because over the weekend, General Manager Ross Atkins spoke to the media and gave a few interesting nuggets of information, including how Ryan Barucki is already throwing off a mound, did that over the weekend, and because he's been out for a number of weeks, with a forearm strain Uh, this is very good progress for him Uh, as of right now atkins and the blue jays feel that perhaps he could return towards the end of this month maybe even a little bit into july but regardless of when his return date uh, actually comes to be it seems that he's only probably a week or 10 days away from you know potentially making a return to the Blue Jays which would be pretty good for their bullpen because I don't know if any of you have noticed but they need desperate desperate help at the back end of their pen Um, and another body who could help fix things at the major league level Julian Merriweather who has been been out with a oblique injury for months now Um, as of right now Ross Atkins says or said that he's a little bit behind return-wise than Baraki. Uh, he's, he's not nearly at the same pace as him. But as long as Merriweather doesn't have any setbacks, he is slated to return to the mound sometime this week. They didn't give a official date as to when we could see Julian Merriweather start throwing off a mound. But whenever that happens it seems like it's going to happen sometime this week Um, it's a little too early to say when we could see him back with the blue jays but if he doesn't have any more hiccups any more setbacks once he starts throwing off a mound he'll obviously need to go out on a rehab assignment because he's been out for so long but if things go well for him through the end of this month perhaps we could see the blue jays send him to triple a to get some game action in before he comes back to the major league level so good news pitching wise on that front for the blue jays and then we've also seen george springer continue his rehab assignment with the buffalo bisons trenton thunder whatever uh, he's played five games in the minors so far he's been playing center field running the bases really well uh his, his hitting numbers aren't good but you know, you, you don't really care about his production in the minor leagues. You just want to know, is he running well in center field and on the bases? And he is, by all the signs that we've seen. He's healthy. He hasn't had any setbacks. And what's interesting here, too, as well, is that the Blue Jays have already made a roster move ahead of Tuesday's game. They optioned down reliever Jeremy Beasley back to A. So... They are going to announce a corresponding move for Tuesday, and because the Blue Jays were already with a 10-man bullpen, I believe, um, they could easily get away with shortening that a little bit and bringing up George Springer. Now, that would make them a little bit heavy on the position player side, just because If you activate George Springer and don't send anyone down from the position player group, you're going to have some guys just sitting on the bench not playing a lot. And what we know from Charlie Montoyo is he wants to try and get everyone into the lineup as much as possible. So you're not sitting for too long. But with George Springer back, that means there isn't going to be any outfield reps for guys like Kevin Biggio so he'll be playing third base mostly which means Santiago Espinal Joe Panic, it's going to be difficult for you guys or for them to get regular playing time as well and then we want to take it even further Rowdy Telez. sure it's nice to have a backup first baseman but other than giving Vladi a Day off here and a day off there he's not really going to get any reps either because that dh spot you're going to need that to keep guys like grichick's bat in the lineup and hernandez and guriel you want to keep all their bats in the lineup so you're going to have to rotate them through that dh spot probably want to give george springer a few uh games in the dh spot as well just so you don't burn him out as soon as he gets back let him ease into things a little bit so You know, for your four outfielders there, you're going to want to need, you're going to need that DH spot for them. So, you know, especially because Rowdy has been really slumping at the plate all season long. He's not helping you. I know he's a left-handed bat, but even that, even then, if he's not productive, which he hasn't been, why is he on the roster? And he's not going to play much either. So again, why why is he on the roster? So it'll be interesting to see how the Blue Jays kind of rotate or or adjust their roster as we move forward here once Springer comes back because it really seems like with the off day on Monday it really seems like he is going to be back with the Blue Jays on Tuesday. Ross Atkins said over the weekend that they were at a point now that they needed to make a decision with Springer's rehab assignment whether or not they were going to give him a few more reps in AAA or if he was healthy enough to bring him back up here and strengthen this offense even more so I'm assuming and I'm guessing we'll see Springer back in the lineup on Tuesday but again it'll be interesting to see what happens with their depth as we move forward here because When Jonathan Davis comes back, too, who's been away thanks to the um, birth of his new child, and the Blue Jays were nice enough to give him a little bit more time away with his his family as well, Um, but once he comes back, they're probably going to have to send him down to the minors just because there's no room. You already have four reliable outfielders on the roster, and Jonathan Davis ain't going to play much, so he's destined to go back to AAA. And I'm thinking one of either Espinal or Talez will join him in the near future as well. Um, now for a, a few moves the Blue Jays made over the weekend to help out their struggling bullpen. They first acquired Jacob Barnes in a trade with the New York Mets uh, over the weekend. actually happened on June 19th. Uh, and, and Jacob Barnes was DFA'd earlier in the week. By the Mets ironically to create a spot on the roster for former Blue Jay Sean Reid Foley who's actually doing pretty well with the Mets this year having a really good uh, season with them out of the bullpen which isn't surprising to me because I've been saying for years that Sean Reid Foley needs to be in the bullpen and look what he's doing now that he's a full-time reliever um, but Jacob Barnes he really didn't have a good stretch with the Mets through 18 and two-thirds that he threw with them this year he posted a 627 ERA a 453 expected ERA a 622 FIP a 431 expected FIP his strikeout rate dropped significantly from last year down from 30.8% in 2020 to just 22.8% this year he's given up a ton of home runs he's allowed uh, six home runs through his 19 appearances this year walks haven't been a problem for him just a 6.3 percent clip uh, he's actually been better at uh, reducing the amount of contact that he allows he allowed a thir- uh, 38 or 383 bap last season that's down to just 260 this year but obviously the home runs are really plaguing him Um, or at least they did plague him with the Mets this year hope maybe that's something the Blue Jays can help him work on I mean the wizard that is the pitching wizard that is Pete Walker I mean we've seen what he's done with Robbie Ray Steven Matz what he was able to do earlier in the season with Tyler Chatwood so the Blue Jays are not shy about taking on pitching projects and you know, Jacob Barnes is a guy who can pitch in high leverage situations. He did that a few times for the Mets this year. He's actually recorded a couple of saves this season with the Mets. So he is used to play, to pitching in the 8th and ninth and even 7th inning as well. Um, but if the Blue Jays can help him find a way to reduce the amount of home runs he allows, he's only a three-pitch pitcher. He's got a fastball slider changeup. He really doesn't even throw his changeup much. So he's basically a fastball slider guy. Um, but if they can help him with his command and keep those balls under the middle of the plate, maybe we can see his strikeout rate increase a lot more to where it was last season where it was at a career high and hopefully Barnes can be, you know, kind of this under the radar acquisition the Blue Jays get to really add another, um, reliable piece their bullpen that didn't cost really anything, just a a low minor leaguer who is playing with the Vancouver Canadians this year. So they didn't give up much to get Barnes, and we'll see what Pete Walker and the coaching sc- staff can do with him. Um, now the other move the Blue Jays made, um, they brought back a really interesting piece in John axford who was doing some broadcasting work for the for Sportsnet who covers the Blue Jays. And if you don't know, John Axford took some time off from his from his gig with SportsNet because he was trying to help Team Canada qualify for the Olympics. Now, that didn't end up happening, but John Axford was pretty good for Team Canada. He his velo was up pretty high compared to where it was when he had his first stint with the Blue Jays way back in 2018. Uh, His VLO was up to, I believe, 97, 98 miles per hour, which will certainly play in the major leagues. Um, Now, they did sign him to a minor league deal, so he will have to, and and this is totally understandable, that he will have to work his way up to the major leagues, probably start out with the buffalo bisons they haven't the blue jays haven't announced where he'll report to yet he's still finishing up his quarantine from the olympic qualifiers so we'll see where he starts his road back to the majors but again if his velocity stays where it was when he was throwing with team canada i don't anticipate him spending a whole lot of time in the minor leagues Um, the last time we saw john axford um, was when the Blue Jays traded him to the Dodgers at the deadline. And he didn't even pitch that much for the Dodgers because in his first or, or his fifth outing with the Dodgers after the deadline, he had a comebacker that broke his leg and that ended his season. And then when he tried to come back and make the Blue Jays opening day roster in 2019, because they the Blue Jays re signed him in the offseason, arm injuries or his arm issues came back and he actually had to have surgery to remove a bone spur uh, later in the season, which prevented him from even throwing a single inning in the uh, 2019 season. And then again, he built back up over the uh, offseason after the 2019 season, but because COVID happened and shut everything down in spring training, he didn't have an opportunity to try out for one of the major league teams. And then he was even going to try and help Team Canada last spring qualify for the, for the Olympics. But he obviously, he couldn't do that because of the shutdown. So, um, his, John Axford's comeback story is pretty remarkable. Uh, if you have time, there's an amazing article on Baseball America that gives a real deal, detailed um, experience as to what Axford had to deal with going through his separate injuries in 2018 2019 how he was forced to continue working out during this whole pandemic where he was in the winter time he was pitching in this uh, arena in Burlington Ontario and he was really just throwing it up against the wall because he couldn't throw with anyone else because you had to uh, You had to be cautious and and do social distancing and, and not hang out with anyone outside of your own home. So other than, you know, playing catch with his kids, he was just practicing by throwing the ball up against the wall. And before he showed up to Team Canada this spring, according to the article, he was only throwing 92, 93 miles per hour. So this is a really good sign for him, the fact that you know three four five months ago he was only touching 93 miles per hour tops and now he's up to 97 98 miles per hour so it's great to see Axford back throwing strong and I'm really encouraged to see what he can do with the Blue Jays because we all know they are uh, desperate for any kind of reliable reliever right now and if they can kind of correct Jacob Barnes' woes that he has with the long ball, or had with the long ball earlier this season with the Mets, if John Axford continues to impress, even at his age of 38, um, being able to touch high 90s at his age, very impressive. Um, But if he thrives in however many innings that he throws in the minors, maybe we could see john axford up with the blue jays in early july and helping this team contend for a playoff spot this season because i i need to get into the bigger aspect that i want to cover in this episode and that's the blue jays by from now until the all-star break are really going to know they're going to get a great understanding of whether or not this team is going to be seriously competitive for the playoffs this year because prior to this series against Baltimore the Blue Jays lost five in a row and they were really on a, a, a really bad slide right they looked like they were lacking a spark and they were really getting bogged down by their bullpen struggles which came up again in this series against Baltimore cost them a series sweep Um, And it almost cost them to lose two of three against Baltimore. And for me personally, in that game on Saturday, when the Blue Jays were losing big, before they had the big comeback in the ninth inning, I was thinking to myself, if this team doesn't make up ground against Baltimore and the other bad teams that they should beat over this next stretch of games, there's no way... They can put themselves in a position, or at least it's going to be a lot harder for them to put themselves in a position to compete for a wild card spot this year. Because as of right now, it really doesn't look like the Blue Jays are going to make a serious run for the division title in the AL East. Because right now, as of Monday, they're seven games behind the division-leading Boston Red Sox. Now, there's still a ton of time left, right? We could see the Blue Jays go on a bit of a run like they did in 2015 where they won the division. But they'd have to win a ton of games over this next stretch, which is capable. Like, they could certainly do that. Um, But with the current roster that they have, I don't see them being able to do that unless they significantly improve the bullpen at the deadline but again we're still like a month away from the blue jays making those kinds of trades which is why they have to acquire guys like jacob barnes and take a flyer on john axford because the prices are so high right now for relievers because you have teams that are likely going to be sellers at the deadline you have them wanting to hold on to a little bit more of not officially labeling themselves as sellers and giving that signal to their fan bases that hey we're waving the white flag on this season because as soon as that happens a lot of those teams see ticket sales start to drop revenues start to drop pretty significantly so that's why a lot of the time every season you see those competitive those uh, losing teams non-competitive teams waiting until july to actually start making moves so they can suck out the last few thousands or whatever of revenue before they give up on the season or at least until they tell their fan bases they're giving up on the season um so that's why it's it's, it'd be very difficult for the blue jays to say go out and acquire somebody like kendall graveman from the seattle mariners um which i think would be a really good fit for the blue jays but Right now, they have to just make up ground whatever way they can against the Miami Marlins, against the Baltimore Orioles, against the Seattle Mariners. Because with the way their schedule is right now, the Blue Jays could easily, easily be 10 games above 500 by the All-Star break. Because heading into Tuesday... They have a little two-game set down in Miami against the Marlins. So even though you can't discredit a team, we just saw that this past weekend against Baltimore, the Blue Jays should be aiming to at least split this two-game series. It'd be great if they could sweep it, but you have to at least split it. You can't lose two straight against the rebuilding Marlins. That can't happen. And then after that series concludes, you get a four-game set set, In Buffalo against the Baltimore Orioles. Now, again, you can't take them lightly, but you need to be aiming to win three of four. It's very difficult to complete a four game sweep against any team in the major leagues, but if you don't at least win three of four against Baltimore, that's a disappointment. Because if you do that and you split that two game series against Miami, you're four or five games above 500 heading into the final week of June. You're putting, them, you're putting yourselves in a pretty good position to end the month if you do that. And then you got a three game set against the Seattle Mariners finishing up June heading into July. So again, you got to aim to win two of three against Seattle. Be great if you could get a three game sweep. That would certainly help you in the standings. But without question, if you don't at least win two of three against Seattle, that's a disappointment. Then it gets a little bit tougher as we head into the All-Star break because the Blue Jays have a three-game set in Buffalo against Tampa after they wrap up their series against Seattle. And even though Tampa Bay took a major blow by losing Tyler Glass now for however long he's going to be out for because... He has a injury to his UCL in his, in his arm, which most of the time needs Tommy John surgery to rectify. Now, the Rays are hoping that they can avoid surgery and just give Glass now time off, have him rehab the injury, and hopefully he won't need surgery because if he does at this point of the season, he's done for this year, and he's probably done for most of next year, if not all of it. So that would put him into 2023 which would be a major crushing blow for the Tampa Bay Rays, especially after they traded Blake Snell this past offseason. And then after you finish that three-game set against Tampa, you see the Baltimore Orioles again. And if you lose one of three against Tampa in that series, the Blue Jays definitely need to be able to bounce back and... It'd be great if they get they could get a three-game sweep, but again, you got to aim for 2 of 3. Against those teams that are your, that you're supposed to beat, if you don't win 2 of 3 or 3 of 4, whatever it is, it's a de- it's a disappointment. Because for an organization that's looking to make the playoffs, if you don't beat the teams you're supposed to beat, you're not a legitimate playoff contender. It's just the way it is. So that's why it's so vital for the Blue Jays to really beat up on these below 500 teams like Baltimore, Seattle, Texas, that they'll, they'll face after the All-Star break. Detroit, who they see a fair bit in August. Like this is where the Blue Jays need to make up ground, especially right now. Right at, through these final uh, three series to end June and up leading into, into the All-Star break. Even though they gotta face Tampa twice, just before the All-Star break in early July, they gotta find a way to hammer out some wins against the Rays, because if they don't, and if the Blue Jays head into the All-Star break, still hovering around 500, which they're at right now, for Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, the Blue Jays will be putting them in a very tough spot coming out of the All-Star break, because you'll be looking at this team sitting around 500 seven or you know however however many games they'll be out of the division and they're still six and a half games out of the second wild card spot right now too so it's not like the Blue Jays are a good spot to compete for one of those two wild card spots right now so if they don't improve from now until then standings wise I don't know how the front office is going to be able to actually add a good number of pieces in the bullpen, probably add a frontline starter, maybe another lefty bat, somebody like Kyle Seeger, Kyle Schwarber, to give this lineup a little bit more bounce, a little bit more pop. Um, I don't know if they can add those types of pieces in good faith, feeling confident about this team's ability to compete for the playoffs. Because if they just hover around 500 through this next stretch, heading into the All Star game, right? they got to go on a serious run through the final two and a half months of the season to somehow surge into those one or two, one of the two wildcard spots. So this will be a very, very interesting next stretch of games for the Blue Jays. Um, Now they, granted, they do get a little bit of help come August, schedule wise. Because if we look ahead here, sure, the Blue Jays got to play the Cleveland Indians, who are actually pretty decent this year. You got to see the Red Sox. You got to play the White Sox. But other than that, you get four games against the Los Angeles Angels. The Blue Jays are going to do a little bit of a West Coast trip. In August, they see the Angels. They get their annual trip to the the Pacific Northwest. Where they're gonna face the mariners for four games probably see a lot of fans from vancouver british columbia come down for that one uh then they got a two game set against the washington nationals who are re well they're not rebuilding but they're a bad team right now they're sitting dead last in the nl east so that's a favorable matchup for the blue jays then they got a three game set against the tigers uh, they got a four game set after that against the White Sox. But then they see the Tigers again for three games. Then to finish up August, they see Baltimore again for three games. You're going to see Baltimore again in September for the final time of the season. And then the Blue Jays also get two separate series against the Minnesota Twins, too, who have been probably the most disappointing team Uh, In the major leagues this season. So that can help them out schedule wise as well. But they see the Yankees a ton in September. The Rays as well too. So if the Blue Jays don't make up ground. Now until the All-Star break. Like I've been saying numerous times throughout this episode. Even though the schedule is favorable at times for them in the second half. It's still not a layup to go on that same kind of run that they did in 2015, right? Um, now, the Blue Jays are, are a better team, without question, I think, than that 2015 Blue Jays team where we're just so reliant on like three or four guys, Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, Josh Donaldson, a little bit of Troy Tulewitzki. like it, it, you know, but... This lineup now, a lot more balanced. It doesn't just rely on home runs, which that lineup in 2015 was, even though the Blue Jays lead the league lead the majors in home runs this season, they don't just solely rely on that. Like we saw throughout this series against Baltimore, where they use all three parts of the outfield, and they can string a ton of hits together and get runs support just like that. Um but it's just I really really hope that the Blue Jays are able to build off of this momentum that they have seemingly built over this weekend series against Baltimore, especially the way they won On Saturday you could certainly tell they carried a lot of momentum from that win from that comeback in the ninth inning they carried that into Sunday's game and really sparked their offense a bit too now again the bullpen almost reared it its ugly head again in the ninth inning and almost blew the game for them with Tyler Chatwood on the mound so that's gonna be a consistent problem Unless guys like Barucki and Merriweather and others come back very soon. It'd be a huge boost to the Blue Jays if they could get Ryan Barucki towards the end of this month. Like when they're facing the Seattle Mariners to end June and open July. But they'll also have to do some work at the deadline. And they're only going to be able to do that confidently if this team is in a better spot than where they are now because if they're not able to make up ground against the Orioles, the Mariners, as we move forward here, I hate to say it, but it may make more sense for the, for the front office to keep things as the status quo, or even, you know, explore potential selling options, which no one wants to see happen but Shapiro and Atkins are going to be in a really tough spot if this team just hovers around 500 over these next two or three weeks. Their hands are going to be a little bit tight at that point because this team, you can't confidently, sit, confidently say if this team is still around 500 by the all-star break, you can't say that this team is going to make a, a late run and compete and win one of those two wild card spots sure it could happen you can't write them off at that point but how can you operate as a general manager as a president of baseball operations to add like to weaken your prospect system no not knowing whether or not your team is actually a legitimate playoff contender If I was a GM and the Blue Jays were still a 500 ball club just at the deadline, or at the all-star break, I would certainly take some phone calls on guys like Marcus Simeon, Robbie Ray. Because why not? Right? Like, Ray's a free agent at the end of the year. So is Marcus Simeon. Be a ton of teams lined up. If the Blue Jays decided to trade either one of them. I hope it doesn't come to that. I really don't. I want to see this team remain competitive. Throughout this season. Into next season and beyond. But if they just can't overcome. These injuries. Particularly in the bullpen. Not a whole lot you can do as a front office. So. It. Cannot be understated how important these next two, three weeks are for the Blue Jays. Because even though August, September, those are two of the most important months of the season. They won't matter if the Blue Jays aren't up seven games over 500 or a little bit around that come All-Star break time. So we'll see what happens. But that does it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed my little deep dive into John Axford and what the Blue Jays have coming up for them on the schedule and how this is very, very important for them to continue to win games and win series against these bad teams as they look to climb back into the standings. But until next time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and now you're up to date. And please remember, wear a mask, wear it properly, don't go out unless you have to, and Get vaccinated both doses when you're eligible to. Thanks for listening.